I'm Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Monday Mindset Mindset Podcast, Podcast. where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 153. And today it's Terry's turn to share something of interest with us. Terry, what have you got for us today? Well, Daisy, I listened to a podcast that is new to me, but is definitely not a new podcast. So this podcast is called The Overwhelmed Brain. And I thought, ooh, this would be a good one. I'm sure most of us could benefit from this. And I have a feeling that for some listeners, it is going to be right up their alley. And for others, it's going to be a no-go. So I I completely understand this. Um, The person who does the podcast is a man whose last name I know I will mispronounce. I should have gone back and listened to him say it a hundred times, but his his name is Paul and the last name is C-O-L-A-I-A-N-N-I. So I won't even attempt it, but he is um, kind of a health writer, wellness mindset kind of writer and coach. And interestingly, talks about a lot of what he teaches now being based on his own experience. And what he acknowledges in this episode and others is that basically he knows that he was emotionally abusive in relationships. And I think that takes a lot to be able to own mm. and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I acted in ways in relationship that I know were damaging and caused everyone pain and things. So this episode was called Old Coping Skills That Don't Work Like They Used To. And I thought, ooh, Bingo, this is a great topic because it's something that I spend a lot of time talking about and working with people in my coaching uh, realm because I think it's an important way to understand why we do what we do rather than just getting frustrated with ourselves or pathologizing ourselves. Now, the one thing I'll say about this episode, and I listened to a couple of different episodes of his podcast. One, he has other podcasts as well, Love and Abuse, The Healed Person or something like that. So he has a lot, he has books, he has workbooks, he has podcast episodes. What I liked about it and why I said for some people it might be a no-go is it wasn't highly structured. It wasn't an episode with, here are the six important things you need to know, and you just listen for each of them. Mm. It was more just him kind of talking about a topic and bringing in share, you know, experiences and things. But I, I enjoy that. Obviously, you and I have a lot of conversations like that. So this one really about that idea that if you can look at your behaviors or things that you're doing that are causing difficulty for you and maybe for other people and causing difficulty for you because they're causing difficulty for other people. If you can look at those as this was a learned behavior, I learned to use this behavior, this strategy as a way of coping with something. Then we can work on figuring out a different strategy to use if this one is no longer serving us. And he touches on this idea that I always try to share with people is that most of our coping strategies and most of our problematic behaviors didn't just start recently. We developed them at a very young age and we developed them out of necessity 
Like it's smart that our body and brain figured out to do this coping strategy. It's brilliant. Yeah. Unfortunately, now 30 or 40 or 50 years later, that same behavior is getting in the way somehow for us. It's getting in the way of us achieving our own goal. It's getting in the way for us relationally in how we interact or respond to people or situations. And we can blindly just say, well, it's not my fault. I know what to do and the world's not cooperating. Or we can pathologize ourselves and say, oh, this is a bad part of me. I'm just this way. This episode went into some other examples and things, which I'm not going to go into because they really were more about kind of learning about other people. But I think this concept is important for you and I to unpack a little bit, Daisy, is if I can identify what my problematic coping strategies are and look at what goal am I using them to reach, then I, like I said, I can start to make changes in them. So what he talked about doing is first figuring out what some of your coping strategies are. And and it might not help to sit down and say, all right, today I'm going to make a list of my coping strategies because they're going to feel really out there. But instead, after you run into a difficult experience to say, why did I do that behavior? Oh, that was a coping strategy. Mm -hmm. What was I hoping to cope with? How was I hoping to use that? So I'm going to use an example for me that you and I've talked about over time is that I am a procrastinator. I struggle a lot with procrastination. So if I look at an example where I didn't get something done until the last minute or even past the deadline, if I then say, wow, that was pretty stressful, and I can say, oh, that wasn't just a you know behavior that's problematic, but I was coping. What was I using that coping strategy for? And I have said this in, in my own therapy. I've said, well, I know why I procrastinate on certain things because I don't want to have to do the next step mm. that doing this step leads to. So he would then kind of have someone walk through this way of kind of looking at this to say, but what if that thing did happen? So let's say, for example, I need to go through some boxes that are in my closet and I don't want to. Because not only do I not want to go through the boxes, but I know what it's going to create. It's going to create other steps that I have to take. Like I have to get rid of some of the stuff. I have to take some of the stuff to Goodwill or donate it or give it away. Now I'm talking about all these other things I have to do. So what am I trying to cope with or avoid by doing this behavior? Oh, I don't want to have to do those other behaviors. And then to ask What's the worst thing if those other things did happen? Well, I would have to find a time to go to Goodwill. I would have to find a place to store the things that I'm going to get rid of until I can get rid of them. Well, what would be the, what would be the problem if I did that? Well, I don't have anywhere to put them. So you just keep digging in to get to the root of it. Because oftentimes, the things we're trying to protect ourselves from, we don't need to. I don't need to protect myself from having to take some things to goodwill. Mm. But on the, on the outside of it, that feels daunting to me. So I use my old coping strategy 
I postpone, I put it off. I do anything else possible I can during that time when I could have gone (laughs) through that box. So I think it's important for lots of us to think in different areas of our lives, what are some behaviors that I don't often like the consequence of? Am I doing those things as coping? And what am I coping with by doing it? And he goes through some examples of interpersonal behaviors, like a person wrote in to his show and said, I find that I overshare. I get talking about something with someone and then I just overshare. Probably not the worst thing you could do, but what are you coping with by doing that? And for some of us, oversharing means I'm going to fill all the space So you can't possibly say or ask something that makes me uncomfortable. Mm. But now I just realized, oh, I told you everything about that. (laughs) And you really didn't need to know that. So in an example like that, without pathologizing yourself, just to kind of be curious, what coping thing might that behavior be helping me to achieve or avoid? And then to ask, what would happen if I let that thing happen? What if I experienced it? What if I paused instead of oversharing and let this person follow up with what I said? Yeah, because ultimately, if if in that example, you're fearful of opening that space that you, the fear is you don't know what's going to come into it. If you're not filling it, what can come into that space? Like, would they ask me a challenging question or something like that? But yeah, I like the thought process of thinking, well, what happens? What happens if the worst happens? What happens if they ask me a challenging question that I don't want to answer? Well, you can explore that avenue of, well, what would I do in that situation? Actually, when it comes down to it, you don't have to answer it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And maybe you could think through a response. That means you don't have to answer it. So I don't have to feel so threatened by that potential. Mm. If I recognize there are other things I could do if that happened. Yeah. And what was the example? Because I can remember you talking to me about this packing boxes example. (laughs) And I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to remember what you said when you were talking about the procrastination. It's not it's not the step of going through the box that's the problem. It's the fact that that creates multiple steps. And I seem to remember you saying something about which I thought was really good. Instead of it creating these multiple steps, what if it just created a like either or decision for now? So you put some of those steps, although they've still got to be done at some point, they didn't have to be done straight away as part of that process. They got put off a bit. I think it was a kind of, it just came down to a binary decision, mm-hmm. keep or not keep or whatever. Even if it meant that half of that box still got left in the box to have to be gone through to further break down to do those other steps later. It was, well, all we're going to do with our task today with going through this box is A or B. Mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about C, D and E for now. We'll yeah. worry about that later. And for me, what that did, approaching it that way, what it did is it made it less overwhelming. 
I didn't have to worry about what I was going to do with everything next. Mm. So you don't necessarily go through the whole box, right. but you still, the outcome is that you've, you've created half the box. Mm -hmm. And for me, what happened, the things I was keeping, I did do this for a big bin of things that were being stored. I kept the things that I, I want to move forward with me and they needed to go into the laundry because they hadn't been washed in a while. This was from two moves ago, but these were things I'm like, oh, I forgot I had these. I wear these. I like these. And everything else just stayed in the box. Now, the next box I do, that stuff that I'm not sure about, it's going to go right on top of those from that box. Mm, mm. And my thought process of how I'm going to handle this in the end is, in the end, I'm going to recognize I already said I didn't want to keep those things. There's no sense in going through it twice. Now I can do the next step, which is get rid of that whole box with everything that I've done with the sifting through. Mm. But I don't have to know right now everything I'm going to do about this. And for me, that has helped a lot and helped me to recognize I don't need to use an unhealthy coping strategy I can get the task done by recognizing what was threatening about it to me and how else can I approach that? I think that's the tricky part of it sometimes is figuring out what that is. Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm finding threatening? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why am I procrastinating mm -hmm. about not getting on with this design that needs to be done, whatever it is? And yeah, I don't know what's the answer to that. If How do you figure that out if it's not obvious mm -hmm. without going to a therapist? <laughs> yeah, I think part of it is allowing yourself to get curious and not be looking for solutions right now, but just to be looking for understanding. So let's say, for example, I get on a call with you and I'm just being really kind of belligerent. Like I'm just picking a fight with you. I'm, everything you say, I'm like, no, well, that can't work because of this. And no, no, I don't want to do that. If I'm aware afterward, I can say, well, that didn't go very well. Usually when Daisy and I talk, it doesn't feel like that. What was going on? And then I can say, well, Cherry, you were being very oppositional with Daisy. That's not usually how the two of you interact. What do you think was going on? So asking myself a question that's not threatening, mm -hmm. like, why were you being a jerk? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead to say, what do you think is going on that you were coming from that place? So even if you can't necessarily answer it in the moment, it's just mm -hmm. like getting that question mm -hmm. out there because your brain will probably start processing it. And then like in a couple of days time, it'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> And sometimes if we allow this unfolding to happen, we do know what it is. Mm. We just have to allow ourselves to get there. So let's say, for example, I kept thinking about it and asking myself these questions. And I'll say, usually you don't respond to Daisy that way, but today you were. Was there anything different about this conversation? Well, yeah, it was about a topic that I wasn't very comfortable with. Oh, okay. Anything that you were afraid might happen if you let the conversation go differently. Mm. Yeah, I was afraid I was going to look stupid. Hmm, okay. So you can just kind of keep going to that next question. Yeah, yeah. So it's like having an internal dialogue with yourself to let the information that you know kind of come out 
and, and appear to you so that you then can address it. Or maybe um, in this example, I might say, well, I acted that way because I was feeling defensive. Oh, okay. Any sense of what you were defending against? Yeah, I don't want other people telling me how I should do things. Okay. Is there another way you could experience that so that you didn't have to feel it was Daisy telling you what to do? Well, yeah, I could do that. You know, mm. all of a sudden now, I don't need to use that distancing oppositional response to protect myself. I could get closer to you. I could think, oh, you know what? I think Daisy's asking me this because she really cares about me and wants to help. I could let her get closer. And then I might be thinking this through in my head and think, oh, well, I don't want that. Oh, okay. What would that mean if you got closer? Mm. Yeah, I get well, it. I mean, she could hurt me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so every time you're kind of putting a wall up of, of some kind, first your natural response to that is... As soon as you feel yourself doing that, as soon as you feel yourself reacting that way, you sort of stop, take a pause. Okay, this is my body's way of coping. This is a coping mechanism. So straight away, you're thinking, this is me reacting in a protective way. I'm trying to protect myself. So it automatically sort of diffuses it a bit. And then just like you say, just get curious about it. Just keep asking questions in a non-threatening manner. Like, mm -hmm. like we said before, not going in at about who you are, but your behavior. So not, why are you being a jerk? No, no. Mm -hmm. Why are you behaving that way? Yeah. And what do you feel like you need to protect right now? Yeah. What are you afraid of? What is, what is yeah. the worst thing if you didn't protect yourself from that right now? What would that be like? Mm. Just kind of continuing to explore that. He used another example that I know you and I did a, a, an episode on quite a while ago, talking about people pleasing. He also talked about the idea that that as a coping strategy, we learned it. Most of us who use it, use it too much. We learned it as a useful tool, but we may be over applying it. And what we did, we learned at a young age, if I am doing or saying something that's pleasing people around me, it helps me to avoid some negative consequence, helps me not get in trouble, helps them treat me better, keeps me safe. You know, we may have watched other people do it. We may have watched other important figures in our life do things that were people pleasing and we saw why. Mm. You know, oh, if my mom did that, then her brother didn't respond the way he often responds or something like that. We start to learn people pleasing makes sense. And then what he described for him is recognizing, I don't want to use that coping strategy all the time, but if I were in a particularly dangerous situation where it made sense to use it, I would. Mm. But I wouldn't be using it anytime I felt uncomfortable because then I'm overusing it and it's going to actually distance me from people or distance me from myself, from my own needs. But every now and then, it is exactly the best way to get through a situation. Yeah, that protective mechanism, it, it still potentially is there for a very good reason. Mm -hmm. 
But if you think about many of the ways that we've learned to cope with various things, some of us learn to cope with certain things by smoking. Oh, shoot. Now, 20 years later, like, hmm, maybe that's causing problems for my lungs and my health. Okay. Then we've got to learn other coping strategies and we've got to learn to not rely on this one. Well, what if I don't have that cigarette? Well, it means I'm still going to be a little bit wound up because having a cigarette relaxes me. Oh, okay. Is there anything else I could do to help me not feel quite so wound up other than smoking that cigarette? For many of us in the world of um, looking at our health and weight related to our food and eating behaviors, we could say, you know, I learned to eat to keep myself entertained, to keep myself company, to buffer me from other people. You know, we have all these ways of kind of thinking about it. And once I can understand, ah, that was a natural coping strategy I learned. But at this stage in my life, it's actually creating disconnect or difficulty for me. How else could I create safety? How else could I engage and entertain myself that doesn't harm me? So recognizing, giving ourselves credit Mm. that we learn to do a lot of our problematic behaviors because they started out as coping mechanisms. And that gets reinforced. Need safety? Do this. Need safety again? Do this. Even when it doesn't apply anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So there are good reasons for it. They've just gone a bit off piste. How can we adapt them? And just, yeah, just getting curious, asking questions. And I think, again, the questions as you kind of think through these, they end up leading to helping us explore what is threatening about that, what is uncomfortable about that. And if I imagine experiencing that, how else could I manage that feeling? Mm, Adapting. We're adapting new coping strategies, I guess, Mm -hmm. but more healthy and productive ones for now, Mm -hmm. you know, in the here and now, not using these ones that worked for us a long time ago that aren't so good now, but yeah, adapting them to make them more suitable. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned some in this episode, and I think if you look through his work in other areas, that he does a lot of introspection and looking at his behaviors and why he has engaged the way he has and how he wants to engage. You know, um, in his bio on his website talks a little bit about some things he realized from romantic relationships and really painful breakups and then new relationships and recognizing it wasn't just these people who were doing things that were problematic he was contributing, he was defending, he was creating distance. He was coping to protect himself from his insecurities, Mm. his fears. And that helped him to start to act differently in romantic relationships and, you know, intimate relationships. So I think this whole episode really just was useful for me because I just like thinking about things like this, but it wasn't one that gave you step one through seven. If you do all of these things, your coping strategies will all be great for you. But just this idea of 
it's okay to recognize that we've learned a lot of behaviors as a means of coping. And now we get to reevaluate, do I want to keep using that coping strategy or is it no longer serving me well and I want to learn new ways of coping or new ways of approaching this um, whatever area of my life? Yeah, so just being aware and then setting aside a bit of time to ask yourself some questions. And I have a feeling, especially when it comes to procrastination, it won't be long before, um, yeah, I will be taking myself to one side and asking myself some questions. <laughs> Probably <laughs> happen tomorrow. <laughs> mm -hmm. If not before and the day is out. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I share these examples quite a bit with each other. Um, but I found I didn't want to start going through my boxes and I chose a really big one and I got through it and I felt better. Mm. But it, it really helped me to kind of look at why am I avoiding this? Why am I pushing away from this task? It's really not a hard task. Yeah, that's what seems crazy sometimes because, yeah, I've done that so many times with things I've been dreading and procrastinating and putting off for ages. When you finally do it, <laughs> it feels amazing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. thinking I know this I know it feels good when I actually do what I'm putting off doing so you, you kind of know how good it's gonna feel so yeah ask I guess is asking those questions so why am I putting up these barriers then if I know the mm -hmm. outcome is feeling good what's going on here <laughs> and partly for me in this discovery of this specific example I realized that how good it was going to feel to get part of the test done was totally mitigated for me by the other steps it was mm. going to create. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine feeling any joy that I got some of it done because all I could think about was, yeah, that'll be great. However, then I'm going to have three more things I have to do mm. versus I get to stop and just be pleased that I did this. Wow. That helped me experience it very differently. Interesting. Like I say, I think I'll be putting this into practice within 24 hours. <laughs> well, give me a ring if you want to walk through your questions and answers to yourself. I'd be happy to walk along with you. <laughs> I will do that for sure. Well, until next time, when it will be my turn to share, I hope you have a very wonderful week. Take good care, everybody. Bye.